This is the Secrets of Spiritual Sex podcast, expanding our experience of sex, intimacy, and relationships with tools, tips, and techniques from industry experts and real-life conversation. I am your host, Nikki Rhodes. Welcome to this episode of the Secrets of Spiritual Sex podcast. Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Mercy J. Hi, <laughs> so good to be here. Yes. Now, look, this is one of these episodes uh, on this podcast. You know, I interview people like sexologists and and professionals in their field um, on a, on an academic level. But another really key and an important um, facet of of this podcast is those real life conversations you have with your girlfriends um, who are doing just freaking epic things in the world. And in, in my opinion, you're doing really really epic things. She's lived in a polyamorous relationship, navigating so many of those uh, challenges and ups and downs and benefits for at least the last 11, 12 years. She is a dominatrix. She is a stripper. She's studied, um, gone deep into her own healing, studied at a mystery school. Uh, She just continues to inspire me in so many ways. And she's one of those friends when you catch up. She's always got the best stories. She's living truly from her pussy in this empowered, heart-centered way, making mistakes, changing things up, dealing with big issues around perfectionism like so many of us, but but really just sort of shining as this um, imperfectly beautiful woman. So we're going to vibe a conversation here because I want to know what some of her latest clients are like uh, in the dominatrix scene. She's going to speak about surrender and domination as a pathway to enlightenment you know how kink has enriched her own sex life um so much so that she's now doing it professionally uh and so much more let's let's see really what comes out of this um yeah welcome again such a pleasure to have you thank you nikki it is so good to be here so exciting and you have been a huge inspiration to me as well over the past few years in particular that your transformation what you're doing in the world is just oh, it's so exciting oh you're wonderful yeah i was um so i remember one of our first conversations let's just take the listeners back uh, to sitting in some hot pools now we yeah. met at pole dancing classes do you remember yep. this mm-hmm. <laughs> and i decided i needed to do pole dancing because i was i was getting to the end of my marriage which was wonderful but very um i don't know i felt that there was something else out there i wasn't sure what it was and we both would teach other women how to find their sort of inner sexy or their burlesque or their um yeah move their body and me and you would giggle and chat through the whole class and then meet up and go to the hot pools after and this particular time I remember talking with you and you were just smashing my mind open because you were in a relationship Mm -hmm. you had a son and it was an open relationship right now for Mm -hmm. listeners what is polyamory and how does it differ uh, from your standard um, monogamous relationship to you Yeah, polyamory to me is the freedom to custom make your own relationships, essentially. So it's definitely a freedom to have more than one sexual intimate relationship. Um, And you can have essentially as many as is practical for you. 
and they can range from you having a few lovers and a live-in, what we sometimes call a nesting partner. So someone you live with, you share finances with, maybe you have children with. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might have that, you might have some lovers, you might have friends who you're just occasionally intimate with. Yeah. It's, it's a very free, open way to love others and it's very unique, yeah, to each person, how they do polyamory. is It's very different. And I mean, that it wasn't a system that just worked for one of your relationships because uh, you're carrying that on to your current new relationship. So, and, and you really like this, this new partner and oh, you're yes. still <laughs> selecting to stay <laughs> open. I mean, this kind of, I'm sure this will blow some, some viewers' mind, just saying that there is this open agreement within your relationship whereby he can become intimate, sleep with, stay over uh, the woman, and you can be intimate, stay over, sleep with um, other men, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've been polyamorous for about maybe seven to eight years, but I was mm-hmm. in an 11-year relationship. And in that 11-year relationship, um, we together decided to move into polyamory. And then we explored that together for the next kind of seven to eight years until that relationship ended very quite recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and throughout my, all my polyamorous relationships, I have always maintained and tried to give as much freedom as possible because I, I personally really want that freedom for myself and to give it to somebody else is it's a real honor and it's a huge, huge challenge. Um, because we all, you know, most of us probably wouldn't mind the occasional freedom to have some sexy fun with someone else, right? but to genuinely offer that to our lover or our partner, um, and not just to offer that, offer that for them, but to feel good, to support them, to, to cheer them on. You know, and having that with someone else is, is really huge. And that's definitely something, um, we're always practicing. Like, you know, uh, in my current relationship, we're, yeah, we're really pushing the boundaries of polyamory, what, what it means to us, you know, like quite recently he had, we had this discussion about having sex in our bed. So often for polyamorous couples, this is a very, very sacred thing and Mm. they, they won't open their bed to other lovers. Right. But it's always something that I've just not worried about, you know, as long as I have been um, checked in with first Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've had a discussion about it. Um, Yeah. That's something that was, that we did recently. So I was away at work for the weekend and he had a lover come and stay for the weekend in our house, in our bed. Yeah. (laughs) And then I came home um, on Sunday and she had suggested that they make me a meal for when I got home, which was really, really, really sweet. I really thought that was a lovely gesture on her part. Um, yeah. So I came home to my partner and his lover and a home cooked meal. <laughs> you are freaking wonderful. You know, I consider myself really open-minded. I consider myself like I want for my beloved to extend him and to, um, to give him what he needs. And then you just make me realize that <laughs> you take it to just his next level. I've heard it be described polyamory, right? As polyagony. Oh, how agonizing. No, come on. Listeners are going to be like, look, she seems epic. She's some superhuman. 
Um, how, how agonizing is polyamory? Tell me honestly. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, you know, one of the biggest questions that people ask is always about jealousy. That's the first mm-hmm. thing people ask is about jealousy. And of course I feel jealous. Yes. I ha- have felt jealous since like we started polyamory and I still feel it now. But to me, jealousy, like I just, for me, I just, I love challenges. And mm-hmm. so for me, I, I don't want to feel like uh, ruled or by jealousy. I don't want jealousy to guide my behavior. It's a feeling and I welcome the feeling. I welcome it to, to then go into myself and see where that's coming from. And it's usually fear. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it is hard. I feel the jealousy. And then when I'm feeling the, the jealousy, you know, first I'll dive into myself and find out where that's coming from. And then and then I will share it with my partner and we have a discussion about it, you know, and, but for me, like, yeah, it, it's fear and it's insecurity. And those are just not things I want to live by. Right. I will feel them, welcome them, but I'm not going to allow them to drive my actions. I or see. to limit my freedom. Yeah. Wow. You know, so many, so many women in particular, um, that I work with, uh, are so focused on making sure he's trustworthy, making sure he's not cheating, making sure that they're not even turning to look at themselves and mm. realize that this great hang up they have about whether or not they can trust him or whether or not he's fully present or whether or not is actually their own inner voice screaming for a sense of freedom and sovereignty that they haven't yet afforded to themselves. Mm. And that's some, that's some deep work, you know, going into that because that involves letting go of the comfortable blanket, (laughs) stepping away from the edge and Mm. and diving forward something that many people are really, really hesitant um, and afraid to do. But you're prioritizing your sovereignty. You're prioritizing love. You're prioritizing active choice rather than Mm. kind of just passive uh reactivity Mm. and that's that's Mm. why that's why i'm always so fascinated to have these discussions uh regarding polyamory for you things like contraception speak me through it uh contraception for me um so i guess again this is something that everyone does really really differently right um i I personally am not on birth control and Mm -hmm. I gave up all forms of hormonal birth control when I was 18 Mm -hmm. and have since uh, just become very intimate with my cycle. And so in terms of pregnancy, that's how I control pregnancy. Um, I guess how much detail do you want me to go in? Because this is a really, I love this topic, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I know you do. You're an epic, um, yeah, you're an epic advocate for for natural fertility and for watching that. Uh, Are there rules in your relationship regarding contraception or barrier Mm -hmm. methods for STDs Mm -hmm. or STIs? I know a lot of polyamorous couples have strict rules around this. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for our specific rules that we have. Um, again, we try to have as minimal rules as possible. I think the, the main one that I would say is a rule, probably the only rule is that if we do anything with another person, Mm -hmm. then we notify each other as soon as possible. So this isn't something that, uh, we don't ask permission necessarily, 
Um, but say if I went and I had sex with another person, <clears throat> I will always tell him mm-hmm. um, as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, therefore, so if I have, it's particularly, well, actually it doesn't matter what kind of sex I've had, whatever sex I have had is, it will be shared with him straight away. Um, in, in terms of barrier methods, so we're pretty open about not using protection for oral. Mm-hmm. Um, both of us are really into having a quite a thorough conversation with people before we have sex with them. Um, we'll use like something that I learned at ISTA, which is this template, which I really love. And it's called the RBDSM talk, relationship, boundaries, STIs, what have I missed? Desires, Desires. and meaning. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. If you have that conversation with a person before you have sex with them, it's really, really good thorough uh, template to use to kind of cover all that stuff. And then moving forward, we're comfortable with no barriers for oral and mm-hmm. then always a condom for penetrative vaginal sex. Um, and actually, we haven't recently discussed penetrative anal with other people, mm. whether we would, I mean, we're always discussing these things, you know. Can we, um, just, can we pause on that? Polyamory also invites this deep communication that is often so missing from monogamous (laughs) couples because, um, oh, I mean, you in a relationship, Hannah. Okay, cool. Let's just, uh, cross our fingers and move into the future and (laughs) never really have this sort of discussion again. Right. Because we're following this conditioned piece, which is, uh, we'll just be together until one of us wants to get out. Asking (laughs) you if you feel okay throughout, it can feel awkward. So I'm going to avoid that and Mm. yeah, wish us luck. Mm. You know, this is the model that was handed to us yeah. by a lot of our parents. And I just hear you constantly say, oh, hang on, we haven't had a conversation about that. Or, yeah, it's super awkward to have the conversation like, hey, um, I just fucked this epic, big, African, amazing man. <laughs> um, yeah, what was your Sunday afternoon like? <laughs> like, again, does it sometimes just go really bad or... <laughs> you know, like if I just drop that news, you know, I don't mm. know how well it would be received. Like, mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we are talking all the time, you know, um, me and David have conversations like we have probably deep, lengthy hour two, three hour conversations all the time about what makes us feel uncomfortable, what fears are coming up, you know, around everything. And, you know, if you want to do polyamory, the truth is you've got to be willing to do that sort of work. You do have to be willing to go deep with the people that you're with. Otherwise people are going to get hurt. And yes, definitely. Like now I think I've, I've been doing polyamory for long enough and I'm now with a person who I'm so well matched Mm. that it's actually really easy. It is really easy now. But for years, you know, my ex-partner and I, yeah, we went through heaps of challenges. We hurt each other. We made mistakes. You know, we didn't communicate things that needed to be communicated. And then, you know, that later causes heartbreak and then Mm. more healing has to happen. And that's just, it's a journey, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's definitely a journey. And yeah, we're, we're talking all the time. And, you know, even just recently, David and I went to a play party 
And we set the intention of having that conversation template that I just mentioned with anyone whom we were going to have any kind of sex with. And we missed it with someone whom I, we only did oral, like I went down on her. Um, and that was as far as it went. And that was, we both felt comfortable that that was all we wanted to do, but we missed having the conversation. We were not in integrity with ourselves because we got caught up in the moment and we were excited. So we're still making mistakes, you know, and and just the freedom, you just set yourself free every time you say, oops, that was me. Yeah. This is where I fucked up. Yeah. Um, you're far out. People live with this kind of shame, this, this bottling, which Mm -hmm. results in numbness in the only or in your cock and then erectile <laughs> issues or ejaculation. Just, oh my gosh, premature ejaculation. Everything happens because mm. if we're not speaking what's on top, if we're not being mm. the spokesperson for our body, our body doesn't have a voice box except here. And we need yeah. to, we need to utilize it and we need to speak to it. And things like play parties, you know, you think, oh, it's a dangerous environment. It's way safer than the bar. When, the, when everything's hidden under, people are grabbing you without asking, you know, a lot of these sort of conscious sexual um, swinger parties or maybe the play parties or uh, depends, you know, what scene you're in, but they actually have this um, far more integrity in the mm. communication. Yeah, it's it, it was a beautiful experience for us. You know, we we really we really just had so much fun. Wow. Um, and yeah, the consent culture is strong in these Spaces. It's really strong, and I feel very, very safe in these spaces. Very okay. Safe. Consent culture. What is that? What does that look like in a monogamous relationship? Or what does that look like in your standard, you know, mom and dad household? How can you bring some of the goodness? Because I believe there is so much within that, like, of the consent culture, mm. into your relationship. How can we bring consent so just, into our relationship? Right. Just for the, you know, just for, for the listeners out there. Mm, mm. Oh, wow. I mean, it's such a huge thing that, that I have had to learn personally because I, like when you said earlier about me kind of living from my pussy, well, that's not always been healthy. I have, I have been a person who has pushed through other people's boundaries in, in the past, particularly probably in my late teens, early twenties, I have touched people without asking, you know? So it's been a huge, huge learning curve for me, um, to, yeah, basically just get out of my head mm. and ask these important questions. And we, it's, it's, it's from everything. Like if you're in a monogamous relationship, you can still ask your partner, if they feel like a hug right now, mm-hmm. are you, do you even, for instance, are you, do you feel in the space to have a conversation about this right now? That's consent. For sure. You know, right? it's not always just about, can we have sex now? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to put my dick inside you. <laughs> it's, you're so right. It's like, would you just, yeah, com- completely, completely asking from the outset uh, are you open to chatting about this? Mm, yeah. Can, yeah. Can we hug? Like, even if you fuck the same penis every single night mm. saying, Hey, can I, can I hold you tonight? Yeah. Can I hold, can I hold it? Can, can I kiss you? Can I yeah. touch it? Yeah. Can I, yeah. These, these basic things. And then that person gets this moment to reflect. Mm. Actually, no, I don't feel like that right now. Mm. 
Oh, wow. That feels really vulnerable to share. I've never said that. I've pushed through. And then they get this Mm. opportunity to be more in touch. I mean, women are constantly penetrated before they're ready, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So often we need at least 20, on average, 20 minutes of Mm. sort of focused stimulation for a woman Mm. before even penetrated. And I know Mm. myself, many of my sisters, my clients, it's like, okay, come into me now, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's this pressure, the struggle, this like, that's what you do after five minutes of kind of fumbling. Mm. Um, what if we really asked? Yeah. And, and, you know, people kind of get this idea that it, it makes it really robotic mm-hmm. and unsexy to, to ask, but it's so empowering to mm-hmm. be asked, you know, can I enter you now? Are you ready for me? You know, that's something that like David might ask. He'll look at wow. look me, look me in the eye after we've been, I don't know, you know, sixty nine for forty mm-hmm. minutes or whatever, <laughs> and and he'll just ask like, "Are you ready for me now?" And I'm usually pretty ready, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is so powerful, my God, people! It's not robotic. Yeah. Ask her, and also like you're down, you're going down on her. Don't be afraid to look up and say is there anywhere else you'd like me to explore or Mm. is the speed okay for you? Or Mm. is this something you're enjoying or don't, Mm. don't anything. And when we hear your vulnerability, because we know that is a freaky thing to ask Mm. our heart opens. And when our heart opens, our pussy opens. And And yeah, in saying that as well, we are still making these mistakes with each other, you know, me and David, we're still occasionally um, just going ahead and taking Mm. something from the person and then later reflecting on it and saying, Hey, I didn't actually ask you if that was what you wanted. I think next time I might, I'd like to ask you, you know, and that gives that person actually the time to think like, yeah, yeah, did I actually want that? Or did I just go along with it for you? you know, ah, yeah. super powerful. Hey, I want to move into this next part of the conversation because you work as a dominatrix. Um, yeah. what is a dominatrix? Let's start with that for the listeners. Oh, wow. A dominatrix is a woman or femme who essentially takes, takes power, takes her power and uses that to play games with you, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're having a session with a dominatrix, you're coming in as a submissive, um, you will set your boundaries, you will state your desires, and it's essentially up to the dominatrix to, it's, it's a real art. It's up to her to, to play with those boundaries, you know, to wow. kind of like push you to your ed, to your edges. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep work. It's a like deep play of just playing with dominance and being, yeah, being in power and then using that to bring pleasure and sometimes pain to someone else for their own enjoyment so that they can push their own boundaries and experience yeah, new exciting realms. This all is under the umbrella of kink right? Mm. And I know that you are an avid advocate for kink yourself. Yeah. I want to hear about that. 
Um, what I did, I did an earlier podcast um, episode on kink as a pathway to enlightenment mm. because you get to dance within your own edges. You get to, you get to really feel your body. You get to experience deeper levels of pleasure and existence and purposefulness and um, deeper self-inquiry right? Mm. It's, this, it's this deep place of um, where one can enter, yeah, a, a state of radical self-honesty. Mm. And when we become radically self-honest, we realize more of who we are and who we're not. And mm. yeah, a type of you know, enlightenment follows. Kink for you is what and what do you love and how can the listeners start to put some fun into their sex lives if it's getting a bit vanilla? <laughs> Just got my dog attacking me. Um. <laughs> Uh, kink yeah what is it to me wow um I think it's essentially it's play for me it's a way to play with the edges of my comfort zone to push and try new trying new things so many of the things that I've done in kink with my Mm ex-partner I had no idea I would be into them no idea until we started you know, very softly playing with them, you know, even something like spanking. Most people, you know, often will just kind of draw conclusions around how they might feel about spanking before they've even tried it. Of course. It can just be so much fun. (laughs) And it, like, you could probably go very deep into the psychology of why we have some of our kinks and how we're working out some of our kind of childhood trauma Mm -hmm. in the bedroom by, by going into these edgy spaces where we, but where we do feel safe with someone. Right. Um, But yeah, to me, it is, it's a place where I get to practice feeling really empowered and dominating and where I also get to practice being really submissive and surrendering. And for me in particular, in my personal life, um, the submissive space is, it's very special to me because in general, I'm quite a strong, powerful woman. I'm going about getting things done, taking control. Mm -hmm. And so for me to surrender and to be soft and to be Mm -hmm. submissive and to be told what to do. (laughs) Wow. It's actually, it's so empowering to me because Mm -hmm. yeah, in my day-to-day life, I don't let people tell me what to do. And I do want to be strong and I want to feel like I'm in control. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you're one of those people generally in your personal life, you probably want to play with letting go, surrendering. Yeah. yeah. So it's that's so kind of hard, it's, right? Mm, yeah. I see, I speak with a lot of women clients who are super successful business owners, you know, like CEOs or entrepreneurs, like really just like rocking um, the business world, smashing um, the, the glass ceilings above them and a bunch of kids under their arm. Mm. And these women often complain about their partners not fulfilling them as they want them to, or, you know, Mm. sort of shifting it to the partner, like, oh, he doesn't do it quite right. Or I feel like I can never orgasm because it's just not quite my energy or I've got to be in this position to do it. And control that seeps into the intimate life Mm. really is inviting a kink experience or one to dive into that realm and Mm. see what, what, what could be uncovered if they were to to talk totally submit. Um, you have your, as a dominatrix, we'll weave this back in now. You've got clients who come to you because they want that, right? Mm -hmm. 
Who are your clients? Yeah. Oh man. And, and this is the thing as well. Yeah. With people have all these ideas about who our clients might be, but you'd never guess they're just <laughs> regular people and not just men either women too. Um, but for me personally, I work alongside another dominatrix, mm-hmm. um, goddess Leia is her Beautiful. name. Um, my dom name is mercy. It's also my stripper name. Amazing. Yeah. And, um, and so we together do double femdom. So that's where a client, yeah, they want two dominatrixes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which they is really brave, right? They really want to be right? submissive. Yeah. They really <laughs> want to be freaking controlled. Like me just with you, like I would freak out. Two of you. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's really brave to want to want to be double femdommed, but um, yeah. yeah. And they, and sometimes they want, they just want to be in the presence of powerful women and to be in service. Mm, um, what does this they, look like? Yeah. So they'll be on their knees with a collar on, mm-hmm. um, watching us touch each other, me mm-hmm. and the other Dom. Um, they might, they might want to, you know, caress our thigh or something while they're on their knees staring mm-hmm. at us. Um, yeah, um, I incorporate for me personally, I incorporate a lot of my kind of sensuality from being a stripper and a dancer into my, my work as a dominatrix. So I'll do a lot of teasing and sensual Mm. dance and touching myself and activate the seductress archetype. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's really fun for me. I love that. And and then sometimes, you know, they, yeah, they, they also want to be bossed around. Yeah. They just want, it's such a release to be told what to do. Um, and I think a lot of these guys, hey, that's what they want. And, you know, and it's not always these strong businessmen type people either. Okay. It's also sometimes just these really awkward, young, shy mm. type men or people who, who just want someone to, yeah, to take control and help them, tell them right. what to do. I think there is no, you know, there's no, I've spoken to a few people on this podcast about the fact that totally missing from our sexual education is any kind of initiation. Mm. So you can mm. watch Pornhub and then get an awkward sex education lesson from your dad. Mm-hmm. And then you're out in the world and you'll have some like stumbly, fumbly teenage, like, you know, experiences mm-hmm. um, and sort of find your way, maybe 30, 25, 30. It's more like one woman rather than loads. And if you've got someone that'll speak to you and will guide you and will show you and you will open up too, it can be this mutually beneficial like learning experience. Mm-hmm. But at a lot of the time, people are hopping from six months, two months, one year like this, and never really been like initiated into pleasure, never really Mm. fell into the edges, never had the opportunity to speak or even see people really with the light on. Mm. It's like under the covers and darkness and oops, it's happening again. Let's not talk about it tomorrow because it feels too awkward um, and moving on. Oh yeah. It's, it's funny that you bring that up actually, because this, uh, a client that we had was very shy Mm. and wanted to watch me and Leia together. And Leia kind of just started this impromptu lesson for him on how to pleasure a woman (laughs) and showed him because he didn't know, you know, like he, he no. hasn't had that opportunity to learn. Mm. And so how beautiful it was for him to 
get this lesson on how to please a woman. Yeah, there's like back in the, you know, many ancient cultures had um, the role of the priestess or the hetaira, which is mm. like the sacred prostitute. And in small, um, you know, outside the city walls, there would be these little hubs where the men would come home from war. And before bringing that warring energy into the city, they would be cleansed by these women who were versed in the sexual arts, mm. who were not deemed as, um, you know, lower, lower in status because of mm. their role. Um, powerful woman, deeply respected. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. And <laughs> and these men, these men were able to then come home to their wives mm. and not bring the the pain and the war and the PTSD like like symptoms back mm-hmm. into their home. And these young men at the moment are str- just begging for this kind of experience, and mm. it would be difficult ethically. You know, our modern culture wouldn't really support it, but I do think it's really missing because mm. part of our holistic well being is to be versed in the sexual arts is to feel like a good lover, especially for men who have this inbuilt desire to feel worthwhile and admired and adored for, for what they can provide to the feminine, right? If we speak in those kind of terms and women so long for the, the power that that divine union can bring them. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's really missing. I think you do important work. Yeah, I love it. I really do. It's so much fun. And it's, it's, again, it's creative. It's playful. Um, you have to really think on your feet as a, as a dominatrix. And, and there's a true art to being a good dominatrix. And I, I'm quite fresh in the game for sure. And I'm still learning. Uh, but I really see that it's an art. Uh, you Do know, you because use like fire and ice and water and like exciting things or candles or wax? Yeah. I mean, Goddess Leia or Mistress Leia, she's also known, has been doing this a, a long time and she's well set up. She's got a, you know, that's the thing. Like if you're going to be a professional dom, you have to have the whole setup. You have to have all the tools. Right. Um, and she definitely has all the tools and I haven't seen her use all of them yet. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weirdest thing you've seen her do. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, she She showed me how she would go about giving a golden shower, which mm-hmm. I thought was really creative. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, golden yeah. shower for the listeners is urination yeah. on yeah. someone. Yeah, where you wee on someone. And it's, yeah, I, I have not done this yet. Uh, but, yeah, it was quite creative the way that she did it because <laughs> she kind of had to hang from these bars just because as a woman, it's quite difficult to wee without getting it all down your legs, right? Right. And so unless you do this in a shower, if you're going to do it, you know, in a different space where you're not like in a bath or a shower, then you kind of need to get creative with how you can wee on someone without <laughs> it going all over you. <laughs> and she just, I just thought this was so cool. You know, she just showed me how she would hang from these kind of pipe bar things that she's got set up and tuck her legs in and yeah, we all over them without making a mess. Penetration of men, is this a common thing that you see with dominatrix? I know it's widely associated with dominatrix. Like, oh, mm. just to strap on, like that's all they're into. Doesn't sound like that's commonly done in your practice or at least what you've seen so far. Uh, yeah, no, it, it is definitely something that's quite often uh, requested. Right. 
Um, and I've seen, yeah, and I've seen that done as well um, in, in my sessions. And yeah, I think it makes so much sense that mm. men will come to a dominatrix for this because there's so much shame around men receiving anal. And so I think, you know, they feel quite anonymous when they're coming Mm. to a dominatrix. And I imagine these men have probably never, ever asked a partner for this. Well, it's such a shame, you know, like how are these men giving? How are these men penetrating if they've never been penetrated? Mm -hmm. It's so vulnerable to be penetrated. It's so vulnerable to be penetrated. And the the best lovers I've had are those who can receive, those Mm. who have received, those who who know even if it's a finger, even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to always be from another penis uh, or a giant strap on, but those who know what it feels like to surrender and allow something to penetrate inside you. Mm. Uh, it's, it's super deep. Okay. For the listeners, what can they do? They're interested in kink, they're interested in dominatrix, the stuff, what, what can they do at home if they want to start bringing it in? I think, you know, the, the cool thing is we have Google and so you could Google, there's some quite cool, um, questionnaires and quizzes that you can do out there that will kind of give you an idea of what you might be into. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also like, you could, you can print off these lists of essentially all things kink, and then you could just go through the list and tick yes, no, and maybe kind of separately, then come together and compare your lists, you know, and Love see it. you're both a yes, start there. Um, then once you've played with all of those, you know, you can go to your maybes and see if you want to start really slow in some of those. And yeah, and it would just be a really interesting exercise to, to genuinely see what you're op- both open to, because I think um, people will be very surprised yeah. often what their partner might be interested in trying when you ask the question. So that would probably be the easiest thing. Just print off a big list of all the kink things and go through and do that. And then you might be very surprised. It's a great Um, way. And also definitely one thing um, I would want to mention is Mm -hmm. really practicing consent. Um, Often the most simple way to practice consent is kink is using the traffic lights uh, method. So, of course, sometimes in kink, we're, we're, when we're playing a submissive role, we might be saying things like don't and stop. And this is part of the play. Yeah. So this is part of us being submissive and kind of pretending we don't want it when really we do. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the scene that you're creating. So often we'll use things like the traffic light method because it's very easy to remember. And that's where you say red if yeah. you want to stop. Nice. Um, orange is... Uh, yeah, like slow down, ease off, and then green is we're good. Keep going. Nice. And and it's really it's 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 both parties, the submissive and the dom, mm-hmm. um, that that need to be practicing the traffic lights. They both need to. The dom should be checking in. Um, where are you at right now? What color yeah. are we on? And vice versa, the submissive needs to be checking in with themselves on how they're feeling and practicing. And that's why I would, you know, recommend going super, super slow and easy and yeah. starting with something that you both feel most comfortable exploring together and then, you know, build up from there. Yeah. Amazing. And uh. I think both <laughs> parties, both people in the relationship need to practice being dominant and submissive. There's so much power in it both ways 
for different reasons. And I think it could, yeah, I really, really think it can be so healing for a relationship for you both to play in different, in, in both energies. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Regardless of your gender, two women, yes. two men, yeah. one woman, one, yeah, agree. In same sex relationships, like it doesn't really matter. It's no. all, it's all energy. You're just channeling energy. Totally. Um, and yeah, no matter what sort of relationship you're in, you can channel any, anything. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, okay. Lastly, I ask everyone, my, you know, my guests this, I spring the question to them. What is your secret for spiritual sex? Whew. Keeping that in mind, what we've spoken about. <laughs> Stuff people wouldn't consider was typically spiritual, but I think there's deep spirituality in what we've been discussing. Mm. The secret to spiritual sex. Oh, I mean, I think simply being open to the idea that, that there is more is, is step one. Nice. You know, just be open. Just know that, that there, there's more. It goes deeper. And it will continue to go deeper the more you look, the more you seek. Yeah, so just be so open. You're monogamous, you know, be open to any mm. desires to explore or to talk about even poly. If yeah. you're into vanilla sex, be more open to what kink could provide your partnership. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's all just play, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sex can be this deep, transformative spiritual experience. And it can also just be fun. Yes play it can be hilarious sex can be super funny yeah it can just be so much fun and like yeah David and I are always playing these silly games not even in the bedroom just like in these kind of silly dom kink ways just in the way we're talking to each other you know like it's yeah just bring incorporating more fun more play and knowing that there's something deeper yeah Hannah, you are such a blessing to speak to. Thank you for your words of wisdom, your honesty. Yeah, just really how you show up in the world. I'm so grateful to call you a friend. Thank Um, you, Nikki. Yay. If you want to find Hannah, I'm going to drop her um, her link at the bottom of this page, but it's Hannah Alana, A-L-A-N-A on Facebook. Mm-hmm. She is deep in her own healing journey and uh, growth journey right now, but can be reached on Facebook and will soon have a podcast and yes. a website of her own. Um, so do connect with her on Facebook for when those are ready and see what epic offerings she's going to bring to the world because I've got a feeling uh, that we all need it. You push our buttons. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love to rock the boat just a little, you know. <laughs> oh, it's such a blessing to speak to you and um, see you soon. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been great. The Secrets of Spiritual Sex was brought to you out of the desire to make accessible the latest research and inspiring developments in the field of sex, intimacy and relationships. There is so much more to sex than friction and brief peaks, and this podcast seeks to provide a pleasure-based sexual education where potential and curiosity are cultivated. Make sure you subscribe and share this episode with your lovers, your friends, and your family. I am Nikki Rhodes, a sex and relationship coach, and you can find me on Instagram at underscore Nikki Rhodes underscore. 
or jump onto my website for more info on courses, retreats and one-on-one coaching sessions at www.nikkiar.com.